Hey everybody, I'm your host Colmer Ganti, and you're listening to the Came Unto Christ podcast. We talk about Jesus, Joseph Smith, and everything concerning Mormonism and Christianity. We don't think they're the same, but we want to bring the true gospel of grace to Latter-day Saints. No matter your faith background, thank you for listening to today's episode, and I hope you learned something. But cozy up as we talk about the most important things in life, and I leave you with this, John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Thanks for listening. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Came Unto Christ episode. I'm your host, Cole Morganti, and I just want to say that I am super excited about this episode. Um, just coming back from the Bill McKeever episode, having him talk about the gold plates, the Joseph Smith story. Um, we actually recently just had a mission trip come where people from around the U.S., um, mostly the Bible Belt, they came to Utah spent their spring break, a lot of college students spent their spring break preaching the gospel, and it was just amazing. And so um, that was very busy, very tiring. I got settled back into regular life, ministry every day, and so I'm super excited to be able to record this episode, which will actually be another Latter-day Saint-turned-Christian testimony, and we have a special guest today in Jolene Phelps. Jolene, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Cole? Doing good. And so, um, fun fact about Jolene, she is my future mother-in-law. And so, um, one, this episode will not be biased at all. And two, um, you may actually hear from my future father-in-law as well. Um, I may be just soaking up the ex-Mormon testimonies coming through Rinsley's family's first. So, <laughs> but, um, so Jolene, you are ex Latter-day Saint. Yes. You are now Christian. Uh-huh. You, um, are the mother of Rinsley. Yes. And, uh, why don't you just tell us a little bit more about your family before you get into your testimony? Okay. Um, just, you know, who are you, what do you do now? And then maybe we can talk about who you were. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, right now I'm, obviously Jolene Phelps, like Cole said. Um, I'm married to James. Um, We have kind of a fun story um, to tell that God did in us. And um, so I'm a mother of three. Rinsley is our oldest. And and then we have um, two two other sons, Ashton and Ethan, um, that are in high school. Um, Ashton's just about to graduate here in May. And then Ethan is 15 and will be a junior next year. He's a sophomore this year. Um, I've homeschooled the kids mostly. Rinsley got homeschooled a little bit in junior high. Um, At the time, I didn't know Jesus very well. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so I, I didn't do as I wasn't as patient, um, and so so she wasn't homeschooled as much as the boys, but um, but I've loved being a homeschool mom. I I was out of when I graduated from college, I became a CPA. I was an accountant, became a CPA, and worked in public accounting for a long time. I was very strong um, LDS um, member since I was you know born, and. Um, and then after I had Ashton, I decided to stop working and start homeschooling. Mm-hmm. And so I love that. I love being a homeschool mom. It's amazing. I love learning, um, you know, just all the different curriculums. But now 
having, you know, knowing Jesus, being able to, to study those things like history and all these things through a, a Christian lens mm-hmm. um, and through Christian curriculum. It's amazing. Yeah. So that's kind of who I am right now. And well, we, we actually, we, I grew up in, in Arizona mostly. Um, and then we moved to Hawaii and then during COVID we felt compelled Ashton I mean not Ashton James James actually came to Utah for a, he, he decided to go into ministry well not into ministry decided to go to seminary mm-hmm. he was actually an attorney and after we came to know Jesus he felt like he was called to go to seminary and so he started seminary um, at SES mm-hmm. in North Carolina Southern Evangelical yes, yes Southern Evangelical mm-hmm. did one semester with them but in the process he he um, found out about the Rosho Christie um, mission trip here to Utah. And as he came, he saw that God was moving here and there was such a big need for missionaries to be here. Mm-hmm. And so he came home to Hawaii telling me, you know, I kind of feel like maybe we're we might be called to Utah, you know, and, and I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but then God did some amazing things, gave me a crazy dream. And, and then COVID hit also, cause he was out here on the mission trip just the week before all the shutdowns in March of 2020. And so by so I had this dream that definitely said, now's the time. And uh, so we packed up everything and sold all we had there and moved within three weeks. And so, mm. so we were here like just the beginning of July in 2020. Yeah. So yeah. And now you're in Utah. Now we're in Utah. Yeah. That's great. And um, it, it's actually super interesting because you actually moved here a week before I came here for my internship. Mm-hmm. And fun fact, actually, James is the first person I met in Utah besides uh, Aaron Marshall, the Rosho Christie director, yeah. when I moved. Yeah, so he, yeah. the only people I knew in Utah were them, and then he was the first guy yeah. I met before that. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you guys did that hike up to Mount Tupanova. Oh, yeah. And, that, and, yeah. and then we hiked a mountain. And that's when, e- and that's when Ethan, for the viewers, um, when yeah. I met um, Rinsley's brothers, you, you know, Jolene's uh, sons, yeah. when I met them, they both probably got to my shoulders. And now <laughs> Ethan's almost taller than me and I look Ashton in the eye. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, that's what happens when you go home for two years and finish your degree and then move out to Utah. Yeah. So, um, and... Well, that's great, Jolene. And so let's, um, I guess let's just start from the beginning, you know. So uh, you said you grew up in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And um, a really big thing about this, and I I told Rinsley this as well, is that um, with a lot of these um, ex-Latter-day Saint testimonies um, becoming Christian, for a Latter-day Saint that may be listening, sometimes they can think, oh, well, you know, this person giving their testimony, they they weren't really in it, yes. you know, they weren't super into it, you know, they maybe touched Mormonism and then found Christianity and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. so why don't you talk about just the roots of your um, family's faith background yeah. and you can kind of work your way through and, you know, to faith and I, I can interject, I'll ask some questions and yeah. you can just expand on that. So why oh, don't you just sure, go and do that? Sure. Um, it might be fun to for you to know my... Um, 
like just some of my roots. So my dad is generational LDS. Um, very comes from very strong um, LDS family. He he still is very strong in the faith. Um, my mom, she actually came from Cuba when she was 18, along with her mother and three other teenage sisters. They were all teenage sisters, um, and they they came during the, it was 1968, I believe it was, about 10 years after Castro took over. And at the time, Johnson um, was the president and he had what was called the freedom flights. So they had these flights to that um, Cubans could kind of just sell off everything they had. They could only come with the clothes on their backs. And, um, and at the time, her brother was military age though. So when they applied to be able to come, they made his brother um, stay and so of course the dads that will all stay with the brother and so um, so my grandmother's very brave woman just came out with you know just the clothes on their backs with these teenage girls during the hippie love you know free love time oh, of yeah, America yeah. and so they landed in New Jersey um, yeah, that's where I was born you were I was born in New Jersey oh, wait, really? I didn't know you were born oh, what, what, so what cool. part yeah I'm, uh, Jersey City oh okay I was born Born in uh, it's like a Willingboro area. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool! I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the fact. more you know, there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, so it's interesting, and I think Rinsley kind of shared it in her story. Um, my grandmother, she, she, uh, she had apparently. I, see, I don't really know if. It, if the story's coming through all the way, because it wasn't from her mouth, it's from one of her daughters. <laughs> but she um, apparently had some kind of dream that um, these clean-cut missionary, or she didn't know they were missionary, young men would nice show turn. up at the door. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were just clean-cut. And, you know, in this era of, like, long hair and, you know, with yeah. guys. And she was... So she was nervous about keeping her daughters safe um, because they're in Cuba. They um, are very strict. Like, they had to have a chaperone on any date that they went on so this was such a different world for her um and so these two missionaries um show up at the door and and she'd had a dream that they were so she took that to mean like this was the way to lead her family she she herself says she never really believed the joseph smith um you know first vision and the story mm -hmm. but she loved the standards of the mormon church and so so she went her and the girls all were baptized and and then and um, but their stories are amazing. I mean, they love are so grateful for this country because our country, you know, allowed for them to come and escape communism, which, oh my goodness, the stories of what they went through mm -hmm. through communi communism is just, oh, it's horrible. Um, just one story that always sticks in my mind is um, pretty quickly after Castro took over, um, the kids were very quickly indoctrinated. The government started to show up to their classes, and my mom gives an example of where the government officials um, told the children, like, would you guys like an apple? And so, and they're in Cuba, you know, they have the tropical fruit, but they don't have apples. It's, it's very much a special treat if they could get apples. So the government official said, okay, children, you all pray for an apple. And, um, and then of course, you know, they open their eyes, no apples. And then he brings out box of apples and he says, yeah, there's no God. He will not give you an apple, but wow. the government will give you. So that's, um, so that's something even here in America, as we kind of see things shift, I, I always remember those stories and, um, 
Yeah, it's a, it's a crazy world. We need, mm-hmm. <laughs> we need to be careful to hold on to our freedoms. But um, also, there's one story she tells that she had an uncle. So once communism came in, mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was kind of what we hear today. The word um, equity is, is a big mm-hmm. word nowadays. Um, I believe in equality. Like, we have equal rights, right? But, but equity cannot really be... Um, Without there being like a tyrant, that can't really happen. So what they would do is they, everybody had to have equals. So if you had two homes, like maybe you had a summer home by the beach and you had a regular, your second home was taken away as soon as Castro took over. And then they would come in and they would check your whole house. Everybody, depending on how many people lived in the house, had to have the same amount of like, for instance, they could only have a certain amount of chairs and you weren't allowed to give away a chair or, you know, or take a chair from anybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how strict it was. And everybody only got like a certain amount of money. They took all the rest. And then, um, so there was, one of her uncles ran a gas station and there was a a doctor that did house calls, a good friend of his that came and everybody was only allotted a certain amount of gas every, um, you know, every week. And so this doctor came and said, you know, do you think you can give me a little bit more gas this week because I have to go Mm -hmm. make these house calls and it's further away. And so her uncle was just a very giving, loving man. And so he's like, of course, well, he somehow was turned turned into the government and they they arrested him and they tortured him for three days for just sharing wow. a little extra gas and so um yeah. and that's that's the world they're coming from mm-hmm. now here yeah. in america yeah. yeah so they love this country so as we um but as so my mom um ended up marrying one of the missionaries that she met actually that baptized her and her sisters like the mormon missionary the mormon yeah. missionary here in utah and so because the um her mom and the sisters all decided to move to utah after being baptized mm. and so they met again here in utah and so they ended up getting married um, and so my mom, you know, is a convert to the church. I can't say she was ever super strong a member, um, but my dad was. Um, now, when my parents, when I was 12, my parents did get a divorce. And so that was kind of a hard time. Um, but, uh, and my dad did fall away from the Mormon church for a while. But when I was about 12, because my parents were going through that and all I knew was, you know, Mormonism, I gravitated and hung on to it because I knew I needed God, and it was all I knew. I We lived in Mesa, Arizona, which is heavily uh, populated mm-hmm. LDS area. Mm-hmm. And so all my friends were LDS. My aunt and uncle, who we were very close to and loved very much, were strong LDS families. So I just like grabbed onto that, and I started to just kind of drag my mom and brother and sister to church every week. Um, so from that point on, I was very devout Latter-day Saint. Um, so fast forward many years, um, James, um, and I married, uh, James and, uh, so James and I, um, we were married for about, uh, I would say it was about 10 years, maybe seven to 10 years mm-hmm. when we, when, um, my sister and my brother both, um, started to, well, my sister was teaching gospel doctrine class in her, um, in her ward. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, she always, you know, was very strong LDS member, but as she started to dig this gospel doctrine class at that, that year, that particular year, they were studying church history. Mm-hmm. And so she was learning more and more about the roots of Mormonism oh, yeah. and Joseph Smith mm-hmm. and started to hear things like that Joseph Smith was, um, you know, had married, 
he had actually multiple wives mm-hmm. back when um, we were growing up they really didn't talk about that we didn't really know Joseph Smith had more than one wife we mm-hmm. knew about Brigham Young but not about Joseph Smith and so she started to find out that he had married like 14 year old girls had taken other people's wives mm-hmm. you know to wife and Emma Smith did not even know half the time yeah you know or, mo- or probably all the time well, she, she, and she, she was angry more most of the time oh, yeah, yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. so um so as my sister found this out she really just felt like okay none of it is true and she and her husband left the church mm-hmm. and then my brother soon followed and um as any of you lds listeners out there know the the church does portray this um feeling um that if you leave that your life will fall apart. And so um, I I remember just crying to James, my husband, you know, mm-hmm. and just like, oh my gosh, their lives are going to fall apart. And um, and honestly, like they, they took a um, more of an agnostic route um, of just like life is kind of fun, just for fun. Maybe that's all it's about. Um, so, so there were some, I think, rocky times for them, but, but they both, uh, or, or um, living, I, the pendulum has swung back. I'd say they're they're not religious. My brother and sister oh, yeah. remain agnostic, mm-hmm. but um, like they're it, living good, you know, average lives. Yeah, like it was from one extreme to the other. Yes, and now it's kind of just this. Kind of the lives you see mostly in America now, where it's yes. just you're just living your American life. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And, and just a question it. for the audience. Yeah. Uh, so when you say you married James, like you were, yeah. were you, you were sealed in the temple. Oh, And yes. all those kinds yeah. of things. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you've done the endowment and all those. Oh kinds yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've done all that, and um, we were so um, when we this is kind of an interesting story. We were sealed in the temple, but a year after we were married, because I actually was married before. Um, you know, back then, um, all I knew is I needed to find a return missionary and I found one that, um, just made me laugh and was fun, but things just did not go well. And I don't want to go into that story, Mm -hmm. but that, that, um, that was hard. So when James and I, um, so we divorced and, um, and then James and I got married about a year after, or a year and a half after mm-hmm. my divorce. Um, so I had to ask for a temple divorce. That's so right. I had to wait. So, so since I didn't have the temple divorce, we had to get married civilly first, mm. and then wait for that temple divorce to go through. Oh, I see. This is an interesting. Fact. I don't know how many people know this, but oh, okay. when we went through the temple to be sealed together, um, I forgot my name. Not really, but, but basically there's a name, you know, uh-huh. cause we don't want to go too into it cause we know these things are like sacred, sacred yeah. but yeah, but you get a name yes. and so you forgot yours. Yes. You get a name in the, in the endowment. Yeah. In and the first time you go through to get your endowments, yeah. you get a name. And so when I went into, uh, to go, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I forgot my name. Like I kind of knew what it was, but I was confused with two names. So, but this was really interesting cause I thought these names were just like revelation that somebody as they're coming through they're getting a new special mm-hmm. name well they had me go upstairs to where the administrative offices are and they looked at me and they're like okay what day was it and so they found which day i went through and they said okay the, the name that day was oh, yeah. this <laughs> so i was like what 
I didn't have a special name. Everybody that day was named the yeah. same day, the mm -hmm. same name. So that was kind of hmm, just these little interesting things mm -hmm. that come to, you know, you start to realize. But um, but we still, we were very strong members, even with that little incident. And um, we would go to church every Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, and then as we were married longer, um, I just started to notice that, James was just becoming more and more passive. Um, he wasn't really leading our family and family prayer and family home evening. I mm -hmm. won't go into too much detail about that because that's mm -hmm. kind of his story and he'll be on here. Yeah. Um, well, could you, I guess yeah. maybe just as a thing, could you explain what is family home evening? Oh, yeah. What are those kinds of things? Because I know at yes. least like me growing up, I mean, I didn't even know who, what Mormonism was till I was 19. Right. So for the viewers, maybe in the Bible Belt or... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. Definitely. So, so the they very much it's very much encouraged by the you know the the father of the home to lead family prayer and there's some families that do it so strictly like family prayer first thing in the morning and then at night all together, um, and so so he wasn't doing that and I to me I just you know they would they call the father of the home like the priesthood leader and so mm -hmm. as a woman I didn't feel like I could lead. And, but mm -hmm. I ended up having to lead all the time because he was growing more and more passive in this. And then family home evening is that the, the church, and it still does today. I don't know if you find as many members so strict about it, but when I, you know, back then and when I was growing up, it yeah. was very much done. It's Monday night is designated for the family. And so you're supposed to have just like a little lesson and then maybe a treat and you involve the kids in teaching that lesson sometimes or doing the game. Mm -hmm. So you kind of rotate the duties but it's just a set aside about two hours on Monday nights to just have no interruptions just that family time so so that's what that is but uh, so as I started to tell James like look what's happening to my brother and sister and I was just devastated thinking their lives were gonna fall apart James said you know what don't be so hard on them Jolene he said I actually have questions myself and that was the first I had ever heard him say that so I was like what you do and he's like yeah but you know like I haven't really voiced it because we don't really have, know a better way to raise a family because we honestly never knew another Christian in mm. our lives. Mm -hmm. We only had our LDS friends and family, and if there were any Christians in our life, they just weren't vocal about it, so mm. we didn't know. Yeah. Um, so then we, um, so we that actually kind of for a time made our marriage closer together because James is, was a very busy, busy attorney. Like he would, he would, had a new law firm that he had started up. He didn't get home until like eight o'clock at night often, um, just keeping, you know, the, the, the law firm running. Um, and so, so our marriage was really suffering. Um, I felt lonely a lot and like a lot of it, you know, the home stuff was on me and the kids. Um, and so, so that was a tough time. But then, um, so as he started to voice these questions, it actually kind of drew us together. I, the questions didn't bother me, especially because he said, we don't know a better way to raise the family. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of like shocked, but it, it didn't bother me in the sense that like it was kind of, we were wrestling the questions together. So at least we were together and that was kind of joyful for me that we mm -hmm. had that time. Um, but in time... I, so I, as he voiced the questions, I would go to the church's websites and, or, you know, and just kind of pacify myself with their 
apologetic. Yeah. LDS.org. You know? Yes, yeah. LDS.org. And I'd ask the questions like, you know, one of the big questions James will talk about is the, the many testimonies of um, the first vision that Joseph Smith oh, put right. out there. There's like 17 versions. That really bothered me. Um, and there were a few other, like the questions about, and it's interesting because now the church is kind of facing some of those, mm-hmm. you know, the SEC, like, fly, or... CES. The, oh, CES. Yeah, yeah. The, the C, yeah, the CES. CES. Or no, oh no, I'm talking about the SEC. Um, this the oh, oh. the latest, you know, oh, with yeah, the, the yeah. latest issues the with, their, with the money, yeah, being right. unaccounted for, and and just these um, financial institutions that they created. Anyway, you can go research that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but uh, so so I already being an accountant and being a CPA, I was an auditor, and I could see right away that like I started looking at their financials and saw that they weren't disclosing a lot and being um i was actually an auditor of nonprofit organizations so that really bothered me mm-hmm. but i just you know kind of it, very often amongst people that are questioning mormonism we shelf it right we doubt our doubts we put that those doubts on the shelf and so so i kept some of those things that were not getting answered i put on the shelf but um eventually like there wasn't enough there the answers just were not they were not lining up and so my story gets a little crazy because um i rinsley started and she shared this in her testimony that um after she broke her ankle in um in an in ice skating she was um quite competitive but broke her ankle and kind of lost that fearlessness mm-hmm. um and she uh, we were looking for a performing arts school because she had discovered just on a whim we entered a contest or she entered a, a singing contest in scottsdale arizona and the first night she never had a singing lesson in her life she won and she realized <laughs> she loved the stage so so we were looking for like a performing arts school and so we found a private school that was a kimber academy um, so if you know what that is, Kimber Academy is founded by a very strong um, LDS, I think it's Skousen, founded those schools. And it's kind of a hybrid between homeschool and private school, um, but they very much teach like the Book of Mormon or the Bible, um, yeah. you know, first thing in the morning. Oh, yeah, and, she said she like would do it like two hours every day. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was very struggly. And um, and she really, you know, she liked it. She liked it. Yeah. She, I really saw her like gravitate towards you know god even though it wasn't you know mm-hmm. the right god but but it's um i saw her really grow in in the in the mormonism way you know um so then so then uh after she got into this private school that was a performing arts school we became good friends with the the director and she became one of my best friends so one day and i think Rinsley shared this in her her story it's part of my story too she the director shares she knows that we were having questions too and that things weren't lining up so she shares well um i don't believe that at the time president monson was the prophet and so she said i don't believe that he's a prophet and then she started to share about denver sneffer so denver sneffer is um a, a he 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 was he's a mormon he was a very strong mormon guy started to write books and he lives actually here in salt lake he's got quite a following now he's kind of back then he had like about when we started to meet with these home like the in different areas they've mm-hmm. created kind of different home churches so we were meeting with several families together to kind of just learn about this stuff a lot of the times it was just venting about how angry we were at the church mm-hmm. like the <laughs> like the big mormon the, 
Mormon church. The big Mormon yeah. church. Because their premise, what Denver Snuffer preaches, is that the Book of Mormon is absolutely true and that Joseph Smith was a true prophet. And his goal has been to kind of grab, to bring people back to following Joseph Smith um, just more wholeheartedly what he said. And he says that all the prophets after Joseph Smith, beginning with Brigham Young, were false prophets. Um, now, back when we first started, Dunmush Snuffer was not saying that he was a prophet. He was saying, don't look to me. I'm not a prophet. Oh, really? But very quickly, he became, he started to say that he had seen um, well he had seen um, Jesus Christ Hmm. and that was interesting because I think I'm not sure if Rinsley shared this but so the legalism in that in this you know splinter off group and and for the listeners out there there's like hundreds of splinter off groups in Mormonism so if anybody ever tries to tell you or say oh well evangelicals they can't decide you know they've got all these different denominations denominations. well yeah Yeah. Mormonism does too Mm -hmm. they just have you know one very visible church but there's so many splinter off groups they're just smaller they're just smaller and not well known and so so Denver Snuffer started to just, um, he had a blog and our family groups would just like sit around and read what he had for that week. Oh, wow. I mean, it was pretty intense. Um, they were actually getting baptized like almost weekly. Yeah. Well, cause it was like, it was like a sin thing. <laughs> yes. They, okay. they, well, they, they felt like the, okay. So he was talking, Joseph Smith talked about this. He, oh, okay. he said that in order to really truly be saved, you had to have your calling and election made, made sure. sure. That's right. Yeah. And to have your calling and election made sure you had to see Jesus in the flesh. Mm-hmm. So Denver Snuffer said he had seen Jesus in the flesh. And there were a few others in the group that started to say they were oh, seeing really? him too. But so it was like this, it was this, this, uh, work to be able to be so holy mm-hmm. that you would see Jesus in the flesh. Mm-hmm. And so it, it became very, I think Rinsley kind of described it like just this stress of like, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Uh, yeah. It's really, because you, know, you haven't seen him yet. Yeah. Cause right? you hadn't seen him yet. So we're like, we must not be good enough, mm-hmm. you know? So that was part of the baptisms. It was like, the more you got baptized, the more you felt like you were going up this level. Ladder. Oh wow! And you were getting more and more holy, mm-hmm. but it was interesting. It was getting more and more weird. There was oh, one yeah. time where some other guy. So so revelation, as it is in the big Mormon church, you know, in the Orthodox Mormon church, um, they were saying things like, um, "The more so." Uh, it, what was it? They, well they they were very much into revelation okay, right yeah. not they were not looking to the bible i mean they would read it but only the parts they liked and most of it they didn't even understand are oh, you talking about the, the splinter rock splinter group. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so, I so i remember there was this guy that was kind of looked to as a leader in our amongst our group and he started to say okay when we get baptized we need to face we need to be baptized to all four directions like north south really yeah east to west hmm. so we're not getting just dumped once but right you get dunked. <laughs> or, you, or you or you could dunk one time and then just spin around while you're under <laughs> oh yeah you can do that that'd right. be good but he was saying that there were different angels that 
So, I huh. mean, it started I, yeah, yeah, to yeah. get very interesting. The one good thing was that he was not going back to polygamy. So, I have to say that. Um, in fact, Denver Sneffer was meeting with a lot of the polygamist groups and encouraging them not to continue, like, to, if, to stay if, together if they were already married, but not to continue it with their children, polygamy. He was saying that's not what Joseph Smith was doing. His take, which we know is not true, um, he said Joseph Smith was not consummating the marriages. Mm. We know that's not true. Yeah. He was. Um, but he, he was saying, um, in fact, I've, I've heard some other very disturbing things that the reason why there's no children attributed to those other wives was because there was a traveling doctor that mm. traveled with Joseph Smith. So you can read into that what you like. Wow. <laughs> I know. So uh, mm. not good. Well, but, I, well actually, just to, th- yeah. this is going to be a minute maybe, but there's yeah. this new idea going around. It's fairly small. Yeah. And it's basically this conspiracy theory theory. Yeah. <laughs> conspiracy theory theory. Yeah. That um, uh, Brigham Young was the one that orchestrated Joseph's death. Right now, that's that's a little bit bigger. Pete, you've probably heard that before, and that that's how he got the prophet role. But actually, he's also the one that wrote DNC one thirty two about polygamy, and that basically forged it as Joseph Smith. And that Joseph Smith actually didn't wasn't a polygamist. Oh, but I, so I don't know if you've heard that or I if haven't you, heard that. Yeah, one. so maybe you can look into that oh, too. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I don't think I, I don't think it holds it. up, obviously. Yeah, but yeah, um, I don't think so either, but, but that's like a new thing that's going around. Okay, that's mm-hmm. so interesting. Oh my goodness. But yeah, so with a Denver Snuffer, he was meeting with these groups and kind of preaching that look. Joseph Smith was not consummating the marriages, but this is disturbing. What Joseph Smith was saying, and Denver Snuffer says this, was that these marriages needed to happen in order for people to connect to Jesus he said he they had to connect to him Joseph Smith and their family line had to in order to be connected to Jesus and so and that would you know help them that would make them saved and so you can understand when people these followers of Joseph Smith they did not know the Bible and so when Joseph Smith is um, saying so that's why you got like parents letting him marry their 14 year old daughter because they thought this 14 year old daughter was going to be their you know salvation for their family to get to Jesus and same with like you know husbands that were willing to give up their wives well that's how he did it that's what mm-hmm. he, yeah that was the story um, so anyway so I so Ridley and I we were into this group and then they were also taking communion um, but they call it sacrament in the home churches and uh with i think ridsley shared with a uh, big loaves of leavened bread <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and very big and nice sized cups of wine <laughs> the yeah. pendulum was definitely swinging mm-hmm. and it was, <laughs> and it was real see, wine right? it was real wine that's right because she because she said she was like are we like allowed to do this yeah and it's like, i guess we can <laughs> yes it was interesting for sure but that's kind of why like so once the word started to get out that these um, splinter off groups, you know, that that um, these home churches were have, um, meeting together. This was in Gilbert, Arizona. Um, the word got out. And um, and so there began to be a witch hunt and they started to like um, find out who was involved in these home churches. So I knew my like our time was numbered. Yeah. <laughs> we weren't going to be Mormon very much longer. Um, and so I remember like, cause Jane, but so as I started to get into this group, 
James was like, okay, you know what? I have issues with the Mormon church, but this, this yeah, is crazy. It is crazy. This is going back to, you know, like, uh, um, yeah, I'm not, uh, mm-hmm. I, uh, my problems go back to Joseph Smith. He was like, yeah, yeah it's this that's what day. he said. Exactly. exactly. That's what James so, said. so it's, it still couldn't be. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. So he's like, so this cannot be true. And then he, he did, he was kind and I said, please just read, you know, some of the books that Denver Snuffer had read. Yeah. He wrote, I think he read the, one of his uh, more like recent ones. It was like the heaven, passing of the heavenly gift. And he said, he just got a pit in his stomach and he's like, this is not good. Mm-hmm. And, um, so it's, it was just a, um, a crazy time. And so our marriage started to really, um, just go downhill. Like we were just, um, and I have to say, like, I was, I didn't even know how to respect my husband at the time. I wasn't very respectful. I didn't have a good example in my life. And so that's something that God has really been working on me since I came out. And it's it's just been beautiful to understand what it means to really respect your husband. And um, um, so, but at the time, like I told him, I'm going to get baptized in this group. And he's like, please just wait, wait, wait till I have a chance to look into it. And I was, because our marriage was not going well and I was so hurt and for the first time in my life, I was actually really feeling something. And, you know, obviously there were some (laughs) mixed uh, um, things. It it probably was, you know, demonic. And, but I know that God actually was meeting me sometimes. Like Mm -hmm. the one thing that Denver Snuffers group did that was good, that I was not getting from the more, you know, the, the Orthodox Mormon church was just how to connect to, to God and how to have time with him. So I was spending at least an hour every morning, um, trying to talk to God, listen to God and, and read my book of Mormon. Mm-hmm. And so there were many moments where I really f- was feeling like God was meeting me. And I know going, looking back, that he was just so kind that he was sometimes meeting me, but some of the things that I was yeah. like hearing in my mind were definitely not of God. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but, but still that was amazing. And so that's why I felt so drawn. So then when James said, please wait to be baptized, I was like, no, I'm going to pick God first because mm-hmm. I thought it was God. So Rinsley and I get baptized in this, you know, thing, but in the meantime, um, so James and I, our marriage is just going worse. It's just getting worse and worse. We're fighting almost every day and, um, we're still trying to make it work though. So we, we went on a hike with another, um, friend, like a close friends, like a family that we went to church with. And, um, and we just were hiking about 45 minutes from where we lived in Gilbert, Arizona. And what was amazing, we met this family, um, just on the hike, um, a really, amazing family and they started talking about their life um experiences and and it turned out they're evangelical christians the first ones we've ever met in our life but they were very like open um the wife was uh, the daughter of a missionary family she or the mission missionary parents they lived in austria for about 30 years and her parents would drive a t-bus and Mm. they just wherever the holy spirit kind of guided them they'd stop the t-bus and serve coffee and tea and preach the gospel so she was telling us this and her husband had an amazing story too. He came from Nepal and just his story of coming to Christ was just incredible as well. And so they're sharing this and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm so drawn to know more. Mm-hmm. So um, she uh, so I sn- she had to go change her baby's diaper in, in their van. And so Rinsley and I kind of like, 
kept talking to her and kind of followed after her so we could leave the other LDS family that mm-hmm. was there with James because I didn't want James to hear. Uh-huh. Um, so James, so I just like, we went to her and we said, you know, we're really questioning Mormonism. Um, you know, we'd like to know more. And and so she, it turned out that she lived around the corner from us. Their family lived around the corner. So her and I started taking walks together and she would answer my questions and you know, her and her husband had us both over, James and I, for dinner. And then they showed us the movie, um, Joseph Smith versus the Bible. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that, oh, and so James was so ready. Like, he was ready to, to like, really dig into what was Christianity. But I really wasn't. And so watching that movie, it just... Oh my gosh, I it just uh, broke me. I was like crying and fasting for like three days. I just I I just uh, it was it was tough to listen to, mm-hmm. um, and and I found a way to shelf it. <laughs> I can't remember all the specifics, but I found a way to justify it. What you know, like how Mormonism was still true, you know, based on what they were saying on this thing. So I told my friend, uh, my new friend, I'm like, you know what, um, I really still want to be your friend, but please don't go to this area. Yeah, because I really just, I, I still believe, I'm believing in Mormonism. Yeah. And she was a really good friend. I was really, I'm really grateful for her because she didn't just, she wasn't just there to evangelize and then like, yeah. okay, see, so yeah, you don't want to believe. She just continued to be my friend. We'd go on walks. She'd answer my questions, but she never pushed. And, and that was exactly what I needed. And then um, in the meantime, as we became closer, James um, and I, were, things were getting worse. And, um, and so she, she said, well, have you considered going to counseling? I'm like, well, I don't think James will go. She said, well, I, I can suggest a couple. And she said, you know, my pastor actually has counseled a lot of couples and it's gone really well. And, and then, um, but I also have a you know secular counselor that is a very good one too, so I can give you both names and you guys can decide. And so I showed James both names, and I was drawn to going to her pastor. So I didn't tell him that he was a pastor. <laughs> I just kind of, I so I just said, okay, here's two that that our friend Amy suggested, and I I said I'm kind of leaning towards this one. <laughs> so, um, so he was like, okay, you know, and he's an attorney, so he researches everything, and uh, he couldn't find his name anywhere as far as counselors go. So we show he, but he invites us over to his house and um just a very uh down-to-earth guy we really liked him just lived in a a, you know nice but humble home and and he was just very and I was just amazed like he didn't charge us for the counseling or anything but I got there first so I could share my story and then um and then he was like okay you know he's like (laughs) (laughs) and so then James arrives and um he shares his story and he and so the Pastor turned to me. He's like, "Okay, I want to say I'm. I I think it's great that you're looking for truth, but you're you're still off." Yeah. So then I was really mad. You're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're still not Joseph Smith. No, you know. And so I'm like, okay. But then he asked James. He's like, "So do you believe in um in absolute truth?" And James and you'll probably hear James say say this, but it's kind of an important part of both of our stories. But um he he 
James said he wanted to say yes, that um, or that he did not believe in absolute truth, that maybe everybody had, there was relative truth, and I had my truth, and he had his truth, and his parents had a truth, and his, you know, his new age buddy had his truth. Um, but he really couldn't bring himself to say that because just logically, you know, and being an attorney like he is, logically it cannot, you know, two things that contradict. It doesn't just, work. It doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there has to be. So he said, no, I believe there's absolute truth. So the pastor just looked at him very like intently and just said, okay, well then you have a responsibility to find it for your family. And James said that really pierced his heart and he knew he needed to find truth. So um, as he'll tell in his story, he um, felt led from that point on to really dig into the Bible. Um, in the meantime, I'm still just like loving this, like, you know, this uh, little uh, splinter off group. <laughs> um, they, I think they call themselves the remnant now. And actually, you have to be careful because <laughs> Denver Snuffer is out there and he's actually trying to remarket Joseph Smith to Christian really? groups. Yeah, he did like a conference in Kentucky, I oh, think wow. it was, or something not too long ago. I think it was a year ago. Hmm. But um, so you have to know your Bible so that you're not deceived. Um, but as James was like seeking to figure out um, if he could trust the Bible, because he started, he thought, okay, I need to figure out what I can trust. He knew there was no evidence for the Book of Mormon. Um, he couldn't, you know, he had already established that and he knew it. And so with the Bible, he thought, okay, I need to figure out what I can trust. And so he started to research the evidence for the Bible and started to find like, wow, this actually the Bible has a lot of evidence for it. And um, there's, <clears throat> it's it, he, he can go into that further, but um, he started to really read it and, um, and find it to just be like to see it with new eyes. Um, so I'll let him tell the kind of the details, but he um, decides to accept biblical Christianity and he received Jesus into his life. And um, unfortunately, I still like did not believe and we were fighting more than ever. Like he was trying to convince me and show me that Christianity was um, true, but we didn't, um, it just, it, I just needed God to tell me himself. I didn't, and, and that's, you know, coming from Mormonism, I just thought, okay, well, God is just going to do something to show me. Mm -hmm. um, and you know what he did? He did for mm -hmm. me. He did the way I needed it. So as time went on, James, you know, becomes Christian. And I'm, Rinsley and I are still in these groups. But we do, well, there, we started to visit different Christian churches. And the first one we visited was actually our friend, my friend Amy, the one that we went to the pastor for the, for counseling. Well, I ended up being pretty upset with the counselor and I wouldn't go to him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, God, I felt like I actually was praying and God said, I'll be your counselor. Because the pastor is, is so nice. It, he actually is a, and actually his church is solid. It's a, it's an amazing place. Um, two rivers in Arizona, um, but um, Pastor Tom is his name. But he he was a great guy. But I really misjudged him. He like he really just felt like if I could be on the same page as James, that our marriage problems would get fixed. Mm -hmm. um, but our par our problems went beyond that. And so, so that's why I couldn't even I couldn't even jump that because it, we were struggling so much for other reasons, and. Um, so I just was not going to him anymore, and I. And, but it was amazing because God was so faithful. He like, 
um, every time James and I had a fight, which was often, um, I would just run to where, like, I had grown accustomed to making, like, my prayer room. And, um, and so I just cry to God and just, you know, he just tell him everything that happened. And what was so cool is how he met me. Like he never said, Oh, James is doing this and this and this, which you would expect, you know? No, he would show me like God was actually showing me what I was doing wrong. And so, and he did it in such a beautiful, loving, gentle way. Um, that I was able to like be humble and be like, okay, I can see that. And I was so grateful that God was telling me these things. And so I go to James and he gave me like the strength and courage and an ability to just say, I'm so sorry, like about how I handled this or whatever it was. Um, and so God truly was my, you know, my wonderful counselor, like it says in Isaiah. Um, and then at one of those points where I just thought there's no more hope. I, I just don't see anything changing with James and I. And so God, um, but there was, I was just crying to him, telling him this. And I heard him say, you know, I am going to do something in your marriage you won't even imagine. Like your marriage will not look like anything like what it does now. And it's going to be more beautiful than you can imagine. And I knew it was God because all I could hope for at that moment was a mediocre marriage that I could just make it till the boys graduated from high school and then we just part ways. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, I knew it was God. And so I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to trust you in this. Um, things did not get immediately better at all. Like it was still a good year before things got better. But, um, but I had that in my back of my mind. And also I think James was also praying and kind of sensing the same thing that God was going to do something. Um, and so then God just started to put people in my life. So I, I, you know, I had Amy, my friend who was like still speaking into my life and we'd go on these walks and she'd share all the miracles that were happening in like her Christian circles. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, I've never heard of miracles like that in Christian, you know, in Mormonism. Mm -hmm. um, and then I began to kind of follow some of um, just different evangelicals that um, kind of just talk about different miracles. And um, and some of them are controversial figures in, in Christianity, but um, but they they all believe in Jesus and the resurrection and it's the right Jesus. And um, and they're, they're so Rinsley and I started to pray that way. And in fact, like I, um, one night, this is kind of amazing. So I was still really angry at James all the time. And, but Rinsley and I used to have these date nights. We'd go and um, get, you know, we'd uh, just go to the movies and go to dinner or something. It's mm -hmm. a girls night. And um, so one time I was like, Rinsley, we need to go. And uh, like, um, and, and just get our, uh, what's it called? Uh, just oh, take our money that we normally would use and go get gift cards from McDonald's. And then we got some like coats from, it was cold, and um, from Goodwill. Mm -hmm. And we went to where we knew there was a street that was kind of, um, it was called Mill Avenue. It was just near ASU. And there was a lot of homeless people there. So we gave these out and prayed for people. And it was amazing. Like we had such an amazing time. And then in the morning, a miracle happened. Like I, um, my heart and James had not done anything new, but my heart was completely changed. Like it was a new heart. Like I had no anger towards him and he had not done anything um, different. Like I just all of a sudden God had done this in me, like had given me a new heart. And then I, um, 
I mean, I'm st- I'm still, you know, in the in this remnant group, mm-hmm. but but God is still meeting me, and and honoring that I continue to pray, God, please, I want Your truth, only Your truth, show me. So I know He was just honoring that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, at all costs, just show me Your truth, and um, and then I kind of start to realize about um, a week or two later that I had leaky gut for over nine years. Like it was really bad. I could hardly eat anything. Like Mm. my tummy would tighten up and I was allergic to so many things. Um, And so as you know, that that condition can get really bad and you you can die from malnutrition. Um, But God healed me. And then I'm like, oh my goodness. At first I thought it was a fluke, but then two weeks go by. I'm like, oh my goodness, Mm. I'm like healed. Mm -hmm. And I've been healed now for like eight years. So God's so amazing. But um, so so we were seeing, and Rinsley even had a really bad eye infection once, and we just started praying over her. And now mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my goodness. It was probably kind of dangerous. You know, somebody would say, oh, you should have taken her to the doctor. But we were having so much faith, and God did heal her. Mm-hmm. And so it was amazing. But, um, and then I started to see where, like, um, I, um, our youngest um, boy would have, like, he had really bad growing pains often. So I just started to pray for him and I'd see his legs just relax in my hands and that, and I didn't even do anything else. I didn't rub them or anything. I'm like, just started praying and God just would heal his legs and he'd be okay the rest mm-hmm. of the night. So we started to see a lot of amazing miracles happening. And so, so slowly we're like, you know, meeting with these, the, the little group. Mm-hmm. But slowly we just started to like be tired of that group because they were just venting mm-hmm. all the time about Mormonism. And we're like, no, we want something more positive. So we started mm-hmm. going to different Christian churches and and it was um, it was fun. It was like it was just amazing until and then God put this minister lady in my in our path and um she was like a minister for over 40 years and had been to israel many times she had a couple doctorate degrees and one was in hebrew roots which i've always been drawn to mm-hmm. so we started to um it's kind of a funny story how we met her and asked her like hey can we do we met we decided to visit this messianic jewish church and that's how we met her mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. was teaching um a, a class on like abraham and the sacrifice you know, this, the sacrifice of Isaac, which mm-hmm. he didn't get sacrificed, but, but it was so incredible that Rinsley and I went up to her afterwards and we're like, can you teach us the Bible? Mm-hmm. And, um, she's like, no, you know, my husband just died and, um, and I, I'm in a mess of taxes and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm an accountant. <laughs> so we started to meet with her in her house. Rinsley would organize her books. I would be in, um, I would just help her with her taxes. And one day we were in her house and, and I pull out Kingdom of the Colts because we were organizing mm-hmm. her library. And I'm like, this book looks really interesting. And she's like, she says, um, well, there's an interesting chapter in there about Mormonism. And I'm like, well, Mormonism's <laughs> not a cult. And she's like, well, you guys do believe you can become gods. Uh-huh. I'm like, we can. <laughs> so I just, <laughs> I, I was like so determined to go mm-hmm. home and prove it to her. And like, so I was searching all the scriptures, getting ready to write a long email to her about yeah. how we can. And I really feel like I heard a voice in my head, just not audible, but just like very strong impression. It's not true. Don't write it. And so in that experience, like I came to the conclusion, okay, no, maybe God is one. There is only one God and Mm -hmm. he is the Trinity. And then um, as time went on, um, God continued to peel me like an onion. That's how I needed to hear it. You know, God just kind of continued to show me 
different lies that were in Mormonism. And the last one, which is always kind of the climactic point, <laughs> is James had been at a men's retreat at, with, um, with Two Rivers. And um, he was playing football. And uh, he dove over a gentleman and um, just kind of, you know, hurt his ribs. And, um, and as he was coming home, driving home, I was heading off to a work retreat for the, uh, for the, the accounting firm I was with. And it was about an hour away. So we were kind of crossing paths. And uh, so he texts me and he said, so I'm heading home, but I'm a little bit injured. And so I'm like, oh, okay. And then, but I stopped to get gas and I start thinking about what he said. And I'm like, okay, James never complains. <laughs> mm -hmm. He could be so hurt, but he would never even tell me. So I'm like, okay, what do you mean by a little bit injured? And he's like, well, I think I just bruised some ribs when I was playing football. So I'm like, okay, are you sure? <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah, I'm fine. I just need a rest. So I head to the work retreat. And I just decide I am, and, and at this point, my friend, the minister friend, mm -hmm. had encouraged me to just focus on the Bible. And yeah. she said, you're going to figure out which is the counterfeit. You know, there's that story about money mm -hmm. and stuff, you know, just if it like people in the FBI, they, um, in order to train to recognize counterfeit, they just, they study real money a lot. And then they could recognize the counterfeits. So she said, study the Bible. There's so much evidence for it. Study it. And at that point, I already knew I could trust the Bible pretty well. I had had several experiences with her and James and starting to realize it. So I, I just was really reading the Bible that night um, in this hotel room alone, just quiet without the kids. And then the next morning, I'm, um, I was reading again. I wanted to wake up at dawn and watch the sun go up and read and spend time praying and and so as I was finishing that up, I started looking at emails and my good friend, the one that was the director of the school, um, kind of did a group text or group um, email to say that Denver Snuffer had not only seen Jesus at this point, but he had seen that Joseph Smith appeared to him. Mm. And, um, and so for some reason, and, and to give him instruction. So I think this was kind of leading Denver Snuffer to kind oh, of be like, yeah. I'm going to be the new prophet. But anyway, so then I got a pit in my stomach and I was like, okay, that never happens to me. What's going on? And I st then I remembered a conversation with my minister friend who sometimes she'd get teary-eyed about her husband and she'd kind of share a story. And so one day I said, do you wish your husband would just kind of do something, appear to you in some way, flicker a light or something? Mm -hmm. Just to let you know he's doing good. And she said, oh, no, I never go there because that the Bible strictly forbids speaking to the dead. And I didn't think anything of it in that moment. Mm. But then um, just about uh, um, just in that moment when I read that email, I was like, oh, my gosh wait a second. So I text my minister friend and I just said, okay, can you tell me all the, the, where, where that's at in the Bible? Where does it say you can't speak to the dead? And so then she, she, um, sends me all these scriptures and, um, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's all a lie. Like, cause then I realized, okay, Angel Moroni from the Book of Mormon, he was a prophet. So he would be a dead prophet mm -hmm. coming back to Joseph Smith to give instructions. And the reason she said also that the Bible strictly forbids it, her re um, reason to give was that because um, if you're waiting for the dead to come to you, that there's a lot of room for deception and the mm -hmm. enemy can really use that to deceive you. And so that's why God made that commandment. And so then, and then I realized also there's the keys to true baptism, you know, and that, uh, 
um, John the Baptist, like he's a dead prophet. And then there was the keys to getting the priesthood. That was Elijah, yeah. another dead and prophet. And like Joseph Smith getting his keys and all that stuff. Exactly. And so I was like, oh my gosh, God would never break. What what Joseph Smith said the re- was that the restoration was the most important thing ever, you know, um, next to Jesus coming. Mm-hmm. He said, so I'm like, how would it be that the gospel would be restored by you know, by the breaking of God's commandment. I'm like, there's mm-hmm. no way. Nobody, like any devout believer would never believe it. So mm-hmm. God would never do that. And then I remembered the Dead Sea Scrolls, right? Where the boy in the 1940s, right? Mm-hmm. Like, threw a stone into the, into like the mountain and it came crashing down. And then there's all these Isaiah scrolls that translate, they translate like 99% accuracy, right? Mm-hmm. God did not have to do that by breaking his commandment. He revealed more of his truth mm-hmm, mm-hmm. without that so so it was amazing so i just went through that retreat just so i was ready at that point god he had prepared me and i was ready and i knew all of it was a lie i couldn't wait to get home to tell james and so then um i it was funny because james um it called me right as the retreat was finishing and I couldn't mm-hmm. wait to tell him, but I, I wanted to tell him in person. And he's like, so I went to the chiropractor <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and he, he like took x-rays and it looked okay. He said, okay, I'm just going to adjust you. He said, but when he went to adjust me, I just about passed out. So then the chiropractor looked at the x-ray again and apparently he had it flipped <laughs> And James had like two broken ribs wow. and a punctured lung. So mm. so he's like, I'm going to have Rinsley take me to the emergency room. And so I uh, so I met them there. I got home and met them at the emergency room. And, and um, oh, poor guy. It was a very painful procedure. I had to go through it twice to get his lung to inflate. Wow. And then I know. And then the next. And so I told Rinsley, um, Rinsley, do you mind? And Rinsley at the time is like uh, 17. I think she was 17. So I'm like, Rinsley, will you go home? and be with the boys and I'm gonna stay with dad in the hospital and so I stayed that night and in the morning when he was doing a little bit better I I crawled beside him in in his hospital bed and I just said hey I have something to tell you and I'm like so I, I shared the story of what God did and how I knew that all of Mormonism was a lie there and and I just God did it so perfectly that I never ever doubted like then mm-hmm. I knew that it could not be true, and so a physical I can say it was just so tangible. Darkness like left James and I, and honestly, like for six months, you know, uh, James and I like it was just amazing. Like our marriage had just like was healed so amazing for that time, and and just the darkness that left our home is, is so amazing. As we as I embraced Jesus mm-hmm. and knew that He was truly the biblical Jesus, not Mm -hmm. this, you know, imagined Jesus that Joseph Smith writes about in the book of Abraham, right? Mm -hmm, (laughs) So, um, so it was so good. Then of course, six months went by, it was bliss. And then, and then we started to argue a little bit again, but nothing like it was before. Mm -hmm. And God just still had, he had to sanctify us, right? Mm -hmm. Would you, would you say the way, even like the way in which the, after those six months, like the way in which you handled a fight beforehand, like completely different. Oh, completely different. Where before it was be like just yelling and it was just irrational mm-hmm. and like our words would get twisted yeah. with each Which other. Which is funny because like 
Yeah. I've never heard James, like, be able to hear him from two rooms over. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> James is such a quiet guy. He's very, very calm. And, yeah, but it's it was more the Cuban side of me that was oh, doing yeah. the yelling. <laughs> so, but he did, he did do some yelling because mm-hmm. there were moments of great frustration. But, yeah, it completely changed. And... Um, the way we would work things out and I mean and we had there were some tough things that we still had to work out oh yeah but but God has been so faithful and I could say like his promise he's still like I still see him just making our marriage like better and better but Mm -hmm. we're best friends now and um we just yeah it's just amazing and James and I are like just complete opposites wouldn't you say yes very much <laughs> we are. yeah but I, probably the most opposite you can get yeah yeah totally and when we were in our mess I was like so mad he wasn't more like me oh yeah I, I want I thought he needed to be more like me um but now I'm so grateful he's not like mm-hmm. me we definitely I think compliment one another and have learned to appreciate the differences it's been good but yeah so well, that's we're so great. grateful for what god did yeah i mean that's amazing especially like that was i i remember when the first time i heard you talk about your story and you talking about yeah. uh the, the whole we're not supposed to you know talk to the dead and all that yeah. kind of stuff so it's really eye-opening and just like whoa when i heard mm-hmm. that and i said oh my gosh i never even thought of that yeah but that's what it's built on with the angel moroni mm-hmm. and literally everything from there because it's all the old apostles having to restore the keys and everything so i mean it was just it was just crazy yeah and you even had the episode on your podcast of um the temple and said the whole temple all the the temple ordinances are all based on the dead yeah and it's very much a part of the culture you'll hear people all the time like oh my dead grandpa like really appeared to me in the really? temple. You hear those kind of things all the time. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I mean, it's a completely different world, and mm-hmm. it's good to see. You know, it's kind of bittersweet because it's good to see you come out of it, but then it's also sad to think about the fact that there are people still in it. Yeah. But that's like a whole reason as to why you and your family move here. Mm-hmm. Why James is studying the way he is to be able to minister to people yeah. and, and just do all this, right? Oh, exactly. And so, um, yeah. and, and I think it's just, um. It's just a testament to God's grace to where you can be so wrapped up in something and then completely and like, like actually get taken out of it. Mm-hmm. So it's just amazing. Oh, yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah, so amazing. And so what I want to do, what I, what I thought would be fun and I feel kind of bad to my listeners. So sorry, listeners, I did this about 40 minutes before the episode. <laughs> and so I asked you guys to send in questions that you want to give me for Jolene. And so I will do this better for James. I'll give it a day. <laughs> but, but there are some questions oh, Jolene fun. for you. Okay. And so, um, I'll just ask a few. Okay. Um, and so, um, so the first one would be, uh, it comes from this lady. Um, I'll, I'll keep the names anonymous in case anyone cares, because this one might actually matter. But um, she says, was it hard with your family and friends becoming a Christian? Yeah. Uh, how did you deal with it if it was? And then uh, this this lady um, herself actually says, I'm really struggling there. Oh, and yeah. so maybe she's ex-Latter-day Saint. Um, I don't know too much yeah. about her. But maybe you could talk about how was that experience for you? Yeah. And then what would you say to someone that maybe is also going through that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it was difficult. Um, but my, my, I was so hungry for God that, you know, the Bible says, like, count the cost. Well, to me, it was worth it. To me, like, I think God brought me to that breaking point with James and my marriage 
that I was so hungry for Jesus. Like I desperately needed him. I needed just to feel his presence and feel loved by him. And that's what he was doing for me. And so I, it was, yeah, like, um, I'd say there was few, you knew your, we knew our real friends. There was few, maybe our very best friends that happened to be our next door neighbors that didn't treat us badly, but pretty much everybody else that we were close to, at least for a time, mm-hmm. some of them will come around and they're kind now and stuff, but yeah, we were kind of shunned for a bit. Um, and then James's family, who's very devout, um, you'll hear him talk about it. They were actually really sweet. They didn't, um, mm-hmm. they didn't ostracize us or anything. It was very difficult for them to see us go. And I know it broke his parents' heart greatly and, and his brothers and sisters too. He comes from a family of 10 and almost, um, all except for one brother are all very devout LDS. Mm-hmm. Um, I had family that didn't talk to me for a while, but they've come around now and and we're close now and I think have learned to just accept, you know, just where we're each, you know, where we're all at. Um, my sister and brother had already come out um, and my, my mom, you know, was fine. Um, so my family was okay too. So I can't say that it was so horrible for us, but it was definitely part of it. Mm-hmm. But I'll say that the relationship with Jesus was worth every little like mm-hmm. you know mo- hard moment it was so worth it yeah mm-hmm. and even you know I, you know i'm not ex-mormon or anything but yeah. but the jesus talks about the kind of rewards that we get for even sticking up for our sticking up for our faith right yeah. i mean e- even the least things we do which would be you know telling that family member or not backing down and just saying this is what i believe you know G- jesus sees that yeah. And he and he cares about that, and 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 you'll see the fruit of that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I think you know those kinds of things because you never know what mm-hmm. what's going to happen, mm-hmm. and we also don't know what's in store for us, at, you know, in the new heaven and new earth. So, yeah. um, so I mean, you know, these temporal things can seem so super difficult, and and they are right. They are. I, I have a pastor from back home who always says, um, you know, our problems are real to us, no matter yeah. what they are. So like yeah. some things can look seem trivial, but yeah. our problems are real to us. And so, um, but you know, God's with us all the way. Yeah. And so that's definitely something that we'd like to say for that. And I would encourage that listener too, like to start this visiting like different Christian, you know, evangelical Christian churches, Mm -hmm. because even though we lost a lot of our close friends, the friends that we gained became our family, Mm -hmm. like the fellowship we were in and and that we are in now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is amazing. Like when you meet a fellow Christian, it's almost like this instant, like your family. Yeah. Yeah, It's so beautiful. It's almost like a real eternal family. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And so, okay. So on to the next one. So there's two more, but one is, um, what was the final thing that broke your shelf? Um, you know, that, that ex-Mormons refer to, but it seems like we kind of touched on yes, that, yes. where it would be the speaking to the dead and all yes. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah. everything fell with that. But, it fell with that stone. <laughs> um, but then, so the last question, and again, sorry guys, I'm sure you're going to have more questions in the future, but yeah. the last question is, where you are now, yeah. what are your tips for talking to Latter-day Saint friends about the gospel? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I will say that my both friends, um, my minister friend named Susan um, Sue Werner, she's amazing, um, and also Amy um, and other Christian friends that I began to have, um, they were so wonderful at just sharing like the beautiful like their walk with about Jesus. They'd share their stories. They'd share their miracles. 
but they were patient with me. They didn't they didn't make me feel forced or like that our friendship depended on me like converting to Christianity. Mm-hmm. And so it was just truly like them being like a real friend and there to answer questions when I had them. Um that was number 1. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, that's great, Jolene. Uh, I super appreciate again just everything you've shared with us today. I mean, it's it was just amazing. And I'm just uh, super happy that you were able to come on and uh, be able to do that. And so uh, to our listeners, thank you so much. Um, I am just, I'm, I'm just encouraged by Jolene's, every time I hear it, it's just a great message. And so um, thank you guys for sending in your questions. Uh, we are going to have James come on and be able to give his testimony sometime in the near future i hope i mean he's a busy guy yeah so i, I kind of got to get on a schedule mm-hmm. um but thank you guys again uh you can follow us at came unto christ if you're not already came into christ instagram came into christ facebook it's pretty much came into christ everywhere uh <laughs> share this with your friends share this with your family share this with your dog do whatever you need to um but i am super encouraged and blessed by the continued support from you guys to be able to share the gospel especially to the latter-day saints um, even the ones that I can't reach in other states, you know, me here in Utah, but you guys from all across the country, all across the world, uh, I appreciate you guys greatly. And I want to close with just one more verse, and this comes from Romans 3, uh, verse 28. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Mm-hmm. Let's meditate on that message and proclaim it today. This is Cameron of Christ. Thanks for listening. <laughs>